We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host, Nick Pilato. Tonight, we're here to break down the New York Giants offense on the All-22 coaches. Zone. That's right. Both angles, sideline and end zone, in their win over the Colts in Week 17. This was a playoff clinching win. It was a dominant performance by the offense. We went over it on the reaction show from last night, but barely any punts and stops against the Giants offense. They punted once to start the game, which we're about to go over. They got bogged down for a field goal, but it was basically only a time running out at the end of the half. And then they just put in the backup. So it's so almost flawless <laughs> game from the offense. By far, even over the Vikings game, their best offensive performance of the year, when you just consider how few punts they had and how much success they had on the offensive side of the ball, was one of the things that, and, and I talked about it last night, one of, the, one of my key takeaways from the broadcast is the same as it was from the film. I just love the expansion of the pass game. Now that they've moved to this pass-first style with 89% 11 personnel, a lot of shotgun, it's really meshed well with what Jones' skill set is. And more importantly, they're expanding the pass game. They're expanding some of the concepts and the route combinations. So I was really excited to see that again on tape because it gives me some hope that there's still some meat on the bone as far as what we're going to see from the Giants in the playoffs versus what we saw in the regular season. Like if this team carries over the momentum they've started to build in the pass game to the playoffs, they're becoming a team in my mind that has a chance to make a run. If they didn't have that momentum carrying over the past game in my mind, they wouldn't have had a chance. And so that changes a lot for me as far as expectations go. But what was one of your main takeaways from watching the film versus the broadcast? First, I want to get into the pass maybe a little bit later, but I want to bring up because this offense is transitioning to a much more pass heavy type of approach out of 11 personnel, just how diverse the rushing attack was. In this game, it's not like the Giants relied on the run, but the Giants had crack toss. They had wham concepts. They had Y insert where the tight end goes right into the B gap to pick up that play side linebacker or backside linebacker. They had inside zone. They had duo. So even though the Giants are kind of transitioning, like we said, to the more pass heavy approach, they still have a very diverse rushing attack, which is really keeping the opposing defense on their toes. And it's also setting up the play action passing attack. But one other thing I love about what the Giants are doing passing the football out of these two by two formations because the Giants ran a lot of three by one earlier. I feel like recently, and I don't have any data on this, but I feel like recently they've been using a lot more two by two. That means two receivers on each side. 
And then to the boundary side, the Giants will align in a stack. We've been over stacks, but again, it's going to have one guy up on the line of scrimmage and then one guy slightly behind him. So they're basically right on top of each other. And what Mike Kafka is doing is he, he is attacking these defenses who want to use off leverage. These cover three, these quarters defenses who are aligned, you know, seven yards off the ball by releasing the guy who's on the line of scrimmage up into defenders and then just bringing that number two inside, either running a spot depending on the coverage or running a slant route depending on the coverage. And if you think about all of these little routes to Richie James, to Isaiah Hodgins, they're all coming off of the stack to the boundary side. And I think we're going to see a couple instances of that through this game. I also love how Kafka is using Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. We've talked about it in previous weeks, Dan, about how Daniel Jones has read Saquon Barkley, read the defender, read the leverage, took what was there. In this game, he didn't do that all that often. He did target Saquon Barkley, but it wasn't overly successful. There were a couple of drops there, but what it did do was draw defenders away, opening up those stacked releases to the inside. So it's something that I just feel like Mike Kafka is exploiting. This is what he does, man. He is a tendency exploiter. If you want to align yes. off, he's going to find a way to punish you to the inside. But if you want to align and press man, guess what? Those stack releases definitely work against press man as well because you have that guy off the line of scrimmage. And I feel like Mike Kafka has exploited defenses throughout the year in instances as well. So I really just have a lot of confidence in what this offensive coordinator is doing with the personnel that he has. And I think Daniel Jones is executing it at a very high level right now. It's not just Daniel Jones being a game manager. He is executing this offense at a high level. And that is exactly what you want from your starting quarterback heading into the playoffs. He's executing at a high level, and they're asking more of him now. They're making it a pass-first offense. That's the two things in conjunction with their with each other that make me excited. But I think it's important to note before we get into the film, like there were some people calling for Mike Kafka's head just a few weeks ago. So, we never were in that camp, and not only are we not calling for his head, I think he's consistently given the Giants an advantage on the things that you mentioned. One, he said major tendency exploiter like he against the vikings he exploited a lot of ways they did but now watching the film against the colts man like he had a great idea of what that defensive scheme was all about and that's why they had so much success this was one of the most consistent offensive performances we've seen from the giants since probably 2014 if not dating back further to 2011 if you really think about just every possession every play what did it end in success or failure success being measured by are you moving the ball and are you scoring and they had one punt in this game, so that pretty much sums it up there. The tendency ex exploitation, also the the job that he's done to set up stuff later in the game. Like he shows one look and then sets that up to set up a play he's going to use later out of the same look. That's the complete different play, and that's the type of thing that the really great ones do. And he's done a consistent job with that. Those are the two things that stand out the most for me when it comes to Mike Kafka and the advantage he's given the Giants. I think he's been one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL this season overall. When you factor in the talent that he's working with. And I personally don't think it's close. It's him and Ben Johnson right now. One and two for me. You can probably throw McDaniel in maybe as a t clear tier three. And Reed's probably there every year. Andy Reed just, he is what he is. But those are the four, three or four right now. Um, so I'm hoping they keep him this offseason. That's a, for a later discussion. But I love what he's done. And we're going to see a lot of that in this film breakdown coming up. So let's start with the first drive. The only punt of the game for the Giants. And again, I feel like a lot of this was like sun related. I think the last few plays, the timing was thrown off too on the third down, but I think the sun played a factor. We'll see. But it starts off with an eight play, 32 yard drive that does end in a punt. We start off here out of 11 personnel, which they ran 89% of the time. You'll see the post wheel combination. It's something that they love to run. They've run it all season. Uh, Daniel Jones is actually trying to hit the deep over here. Uh, not his best decision here. This one could have been intercepted by the underneath linebacker. It felt like Jones did a good job in this game of shaking off the rust that, we, that he had a little bit of early on. Yeah, he almost threw two picks on this first drive. And you're right, this is not a good decision because you could see 44 match Darius Slayton and sink underneath. 
and Daniel Jones is looking at him and he thinks maybe he could squeeze his football in, but 44 is a pretty damn good linebacker. Gets his hands on it. Should have been intercepted. Daniel Jones really got away with one here. The narrative could have been totally different if either of these two possible interceptions were actually caught by the Colts defense. They were both dropped. We're going to see one on the third and five a little bit later in the game. But either way, Jones had one phenomenal game despite the two mistakes on this first drive. Yes, for sure. And so now we're in a second and 10 here. There's going to be a middle of the field close look pre-snap by the Indianapolis Colts, which offers some opportunities for the Giants here. And Jones is going to simply strike. This is a strike throw on a 16-yard deep over cross, whatever you want to call it, to Richie James from a stack release. You got the double horizontal coming from that side. James at the second level. It's kind of like a levels play, high-low, however, however you want to call it. And Jones makes a good read and delivers a good strike. This is almost like a drive concept with the stack to the boundary that we were talking about. This time you're going to have the number two receiver release on a drag, and then you're going to have Richie James running a deep horizontal cross. On the backside, you have Daniel Bellinger. You can see him at the bottom of the screen, the number two receiver, so the inner receiver. He's going to run that same deep horizontal cross, and you can see how Richie James is going to release inside of the linebacker or the uh, defensive back who is aligned over top of him, and that's going to create a pick for that defender to get to Isaiah Hodgins. But what do the Colts do to counter that? They make an undercall, and you could see now that the linebacker is going to take Isaiah Hodgins. So what does that do? That allows Richie James to break into space. And now no one is on Richie James except for Stephon Gilmore, who is in severe outside leverage with Daniel Bellinger's backside cross kind of cutting his face. And now you'll see the contact right there between 25 and Stephon Gilmore. And that just allows Richie James to have all that space to catch this football. Like This is just really good scheming from Mike Kafka, because not only do the Colts kind of have an answer for what the Giants have attacked with this drag route, with the wide receiver on the line of scrimmage creating that pick because they made that undercall, but you also have Daniel Bellinger kind of creating traffic for Stephon Gilmore to work through. And now you just have a safety driving downhill at about you know 10 yards of depth to come down on Richie James. So a really good play call early in the game from Mike Kafka to get Richie James in space resulted in a nice, what, 16-yard game for the Giants. Yep. Perfect breakdown by you. I love that. And we need to start clipping some of these and putting them on Twitter or something because that would be a fun one. It's like a baldy breakdown. I feel like that was very reminiscent of a baldy <laughs> breakdown, but without kind of the, you know, baldy, uh, hyper, I don't want to say hyperbole, but the baldy in intensity. Um, so let's go to this first and 10 here. It's just a shotgun run for two yards. Nothing too notable on this, except for one thing that I thought was really interesting. I put on Twitter earlier, Nick, watching 73 Evan Neal here on the right side of your screen. He just buries the defender into the ground. This was a fun rep for Neil, stuff we want to see more of moving forward. This is by far and away Evan Neal's best game, not only just because he has two pancake blocks. I think they're both on my timeline right now, but he also was just pretty crisp in pass protection. He had like maybe two plays that he got beat around the edge, but Daniel Jones just stepped up in the pocket. It was kind of no harm, no foul. He might have gave up one pressure, but watch how he literally gets his hands underneath this defender. I think this is Quiddy Pay. He gets his hands underneath, he explodes high to low, and watch how he just drives through his feet, and now he's just using his upper body strength and his core strength to get underneath this defender and then just pile drive him into the ground. An excellent rep right there against Quiddy Pay from Evan Neal. I absolutely love to see it. It's great to see the kid actually have a, a really positive game because it's been a little bit of a rocky season so far. Yep, and that sets up a second and eight here, and it goes into what you described earlier. We're seeing more of these two-by-two two sets with two receivers on each side of the field here. This one I thought was a really, really good job by Daniel Jones because, yeah, he notices the leverage pre-snap with the cornerback and inside uh, inside leverage, so he has the quick out. That's fine. That's nothing too crazy. 
But one thing I just love here, and this is something that's been pretty consistent with Jones on on some of the throws he's made. Not obviously you talked last week about, and I thought you made a great point about the ball placement being a little off on the horizontal crossers when there's somebody coming across the face for a long time. But on these types of throws and a lot of others, the ball placement has been the opposite. It's been pinpoint perfect. And in my opinion, there's a lot of different places you can throw this football as a quarterback. And I see this route being thrown in a lot of different spots from different quarterbacks around the NFL. But in this spot that Jones puts it, it allows for the receiver to kind of catch the ball and then turn up field, spin back toward the. And then this one is played really well by the other corner who like doesn't take the vertical route and it's just kind of like reading Jones's eyes and comes back to make a tackle. If it's not, and that guy carries the vertical route, this is going to be a big post catch play from Richie James, and it's all because of the ball placement from Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones rips this in here from the far hash. That's right on a line. Really good velo coming out of his hand. And you could see pre snap how twenty two is kind of cheating in, or maybe that's thirty two. See how he's stepping towards the line of scrimmage. Daniel Jones just reads it real quickly, knows he's going to have Richie James. Good diagnosis there to get James the football on a quick little out route for a nice solid seven-yard game. Yep, and that sets up a third and one here where we just have a quarterback sneak, so we'll just run that. Yeah, we'll just run through it. Daniel Jones just falls forward. It's really it's really good when you have a quarterback as big as someone like Daniel Jones or like a Trevor Lawrence on these quarterback sneaks. right? They yes. just basically fall forward and they pick it up because they're like six foot six. And now here, first and 10, the Giants try something that's really plagued them all year. Just can't seem to get it going. It's the screen game. They're designing a screen for Barkley. They haven't run in a while, so you're hoping, eh, maybe he'll be able to pull it off. But nope, <laughs> we just can't get the screen game going, man. No, the Giants have struggled all season with this. This is read really well by that, by that play. I can't get his number, but the player who's basically just in the sunlight at the top of the emblem, he just sees exactly what the blocking scheme is and just stays disciplined and just tackles Barkley for a loss of three. And that sets up a second and 13 here. Again, two by two set here. And we're just going to get actually the first pressure of the game from the Colts. Send an extra blitzer five coming in on Jones. He recognizes that throws to Brita, who makes a pretty good play post catch to pick up eight here. Yeah, this is very, very smart by Daniel Jones to recognize the blitz and then just get the football to Matt Brita because he sees Stefan Gilmore match. Uh, I believe that's Darius Slayton on the quick little return route. It's kind of like a crash concept where the number two is going to run the deep corner. And then Darius Slayton's just kind of running a return, a spot, whatever you really want to call it. And Matt Breida, I feel like, does a really good job picking up extra yards by cutting that angle off from the defender who's coming down at the near hip to just put yes. the Giants into a manageable third down situation. Yep, right at midfield here, right in the sun. I think it maybe played a factor also. You'll see Hodgins kind of get picked and thrown off his route. But here we have a double slant flat, which is something the Giants have used a lot in the last three games. And I like it. It's a good route combination here, um, especially, you know, against this look. It looks like a too high safety look, but it rotates after the snap. That safety comes down to a cover one. Um, but, you know, Hodgins just gets thrown off his route by that pick. And that leads to an almost interception. You see how the safety, this is, I feel like Gus Bradley, though, accounting for what the Giants have yeah. been doing on, on offense, because you have a somewhat stack, you could say, at the top of the screen to the boundary. So the strong side safety is going to rotate down to the weak side where there would be an in-breaking route, which is exactly what Richie James is running. But Daniel Jones thinks he has leverage with Isaiah Hodgins, who, like you said, gets picked by 44, Zaire Franklin, and then the ball just hits the defender in the face mask, and he doesn't catch it, maybe because of the sun, which is lucky for the Giants. But you're right, man, this is the only punt of the game for Mr. Scottish Hammer himself, Jamie Gillen. Which is always a good sign for the Giants. So we roll into the second drive of the game here. Now they're this is it. Like from that was it. That was the one punt. And then they just started cooking as an offense. And so the second drive is an 11 play drive. It's a long drive, 71 yards. And it ends in a touchdown here. 
So this was one of the first of two touchdown passes for Jones. He also added two touchdown runs four total touchdowns. It starts with what Nick was talking about. Like one thing that I forgot to mention in the beginning when I was talking about Kafka. Yes, he is a tendency breaker. Yes, he does a lot of other different things. But one thing I like about him is he adds new wrinkles, both to the run and pass game on basically a weekly basis. Um, and so here you're going to see a little crack toss here with the split foot coming from the fullback, which is Daniel Bellinger, who they've loved to use a lot as the fullback lately, which I personally love when he's in that position. And you get a nice little block from Slayton um, to, to spring this five yard gain. This one could have been bigger. I think they'll come back to this in the playoffs and might be they might be able to hit it for a big run. Yeah, Darius Slayton's a tough blocker, too. And this is something that the Giants were exploited against the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, we kind of praised Kellen Moore for yep. using a similar concept like this where it's just crack toss. You take your wide receiver, you block down on the end man on the, on the line of scrimmage, and you kick your play side tackle into space. Now you have Evan Neal moving into space. The center can also kick because he's uncovered. He's over the bubble. There's no one over the top of him. So he kicks around Mark Lewinsky, who does a really good job positioning himself on the outside shoulder of what happens to be the two tech, actually the three technique. He repositions himself as the three technique. Now you have Feliciano. You have two receivers blocking down. Now Evan Neal in space. And this ends up going for five yards to Saquon Barkley. But I do appreciate this wrinkle. And I like the fact that they have Daniel Bellinger acting as a fullback because as we'll see later in the game, it's going to uh, lead to a 24-yard gain of the New York Giants off the play action. So just aligning him back there and putting that into the defensive mind is another smart move. And it's also effective because Bellinger, man, he's a he's one damn good rookie. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, man, I'm really excited about Daniel Bellinger, man. He does so many little things right. And we'll talk more about that as the plays come. But it sets up a second and five here. And they're going to run a split flow action here with a little orbit motion from Barkley, who's lined up as a receiver. And you'll see him come in motion just before the snap here, or just at the snap here. Um, what does that do? It takes three Colts defenders. You can watch it. It's, it's cool to actually watch, right, as we as we run it from this angle. Like, watch those three Colts defenders and where their eyes are. Now, part of it is also Daniel Jones. They have to continue to keep their eye on Jones since he's proven you need to do that as a runner. But that's three defenders who are essentially taken out of the play simply based on the eye candy that Mike Kafka presents pre-snap with the orbit motion from Barkley. That's, that's fun stuff. It's very fun stuff, and we've been advocating, as a lot of people on Giants Twitter have, for more pony package, for more yes. 21 personnel, two running backs, you Saquon Barkley as a wing back, and this is exactly what Mike Kafka does, and it's just a simple handoff with Daniel Bellinger basically acting, it's just a split zone handoff with with a movement at the snap for Saquon Barkley in an orbit manner, and look, like you said, look what it does, man, it's, it's pretty wild. What, uh, what Saquon Barkley does in terms of attention from the defense. But little wrinkles like this, man, can go a long way. This ends up being an eight-yard game. Yep, eight yards there. Sets up a first and 10 here. And you're going to get a blitz again from the Colts. This time they blitz their nickel corner here. The Giants are going to run out of shotgun against the blitz here. And they're going to pick up five yards here with Barkley. I don't even know how he fit through this little gap. because yeah. The blocking is kind of uh, like Nick Gates ends up falling down because he's kind of tripped by Grover Stewart. And Saquon Barkley somehow is able to... F you could see it better on the sideline angle than you can on the end zone angle, although we'll show the end zone angle. If he cleanly gets through this little hole, look, you have blockers in space. Andrew Thomas is engaged. Darius Slayton is engaged. Richie James is about to be engaged. If it wasn't for this backside defender, 32, kind of recognizing what the hell was going on, that might have been an even bigger run for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, it could have easily been a bigger run for Barkley here. See, this I just one that I also. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a few of these on tape, by the way. We'll see one more later where it was very close to being a touchdown for Barkley, and and maybe we'll start to hit those and pop those in the playoffs because those could be game changing plays. But we'll take the five yards here. One more five, thing I want to acknowledge yes. is the combo block on the backside from Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal, and watch how far they drive this guy off the line of scrimmage. It's just it's fun to see Evan Neal 
in these combo situations with Mark Lewinsky when everything is clicking. Because yes. after the Houston game, man, things were really negative on this Giants rushing attack. And I and I just feel like I know the passing attack has evolved, but it's not necessarily at the expense of the running attack. The Giants are still running effectively. And like we talked about on the quick reaction show, they're doing it out of 11 personnel. They're doing it out of lighter right. personnel packages. And I think that's something that the Giants can carry into the playoffs. Yeah, I hope you're right. And I feel like I completely agree. So that'll set up a second and five here. We can flip this to the sideline angle and see um, what happened here. The, it ultimately ends up being a scramble play for Jones, and he picks up five yards but takes a massive hit that we don't want to love to see him take here. Um, I think he missed an open Hodgins here. It's okay. Quarterbacks are going to miss open receivers at times. This is a quick game. If he hits his back foot and drives the ball to Hodgins, you can see at the top of the screen around the 50, he is open. But ultimately, mm -hmm. it ends up being a positive play anyway because he runs for five yards but does take a hit that I just don't love to see him take. Yeah, this is a throw that Daniel Jones is usually really in touch with, right? Because yes. Isaiah Hodgins is just, he's going to understand the space. He's going to understand that this is zone coverage and he can just run around. You can see Isaiah Hodgins is wide open in, in the middle of a triangle of three Colts defenders, none of which are paying attention to him except for the safety. But Jones felt the pressure and I feel like he wanted to go through that B gap off of Andrew Thomas's side, but then he noticed that there was a flat defender. So then he just cut it back upfield. And like you said, got a solid game, but maybe a slight missed opportunity. Nothing to really chastise him about though. Yeah, it's going to happen with every quarterback. So sets up a first and 10 here. And we have a really nice run by the Giants with a wham block coming. And then you also have two people I want to focus on. I want you to focus on number 78 here, Andrew Thomas, who does a just great job erasing. Uh, we're still actually, we're on that play. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we got it. Yeah. Yep, all good. Another shotgun run. Watch Andrew Thomas eliminate his player from the play. I'd love to see that. Um, this was also the play I was referencing earlier where it was really close to being a long play because I think if, and I think it was uh, Feliciano, Feliciano can hold his block against 58 there and and like just lose a little bit slower there. Saquon gets into that hole, hits his foot, plants it, and gets vertical and beats that angle, just based on what I've seen from Saquon over his career. Um, but either way, it was a well-blocked play for seven yards. This is an excellent block play and a wham block. We went over H back is in the backfield. He is going to handle the responsibility of an unblocked initially interior defensive lineman. You can see Daniel Bellinger right behind Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal comes and just takes Grover Stewart, who anticipates the wham. He sees it coming. You see how he leans into it. But Daniel Bellinger is so strong at the point of attack that he's able to hold up. And Saquon Barkley does such an excellent job juking around him and then finding that crease. But what this wham block does is this allows Mark Lewinsky to take 56, the end man on the line of scrimmage, which allows Andrew Thomas to just climb up to the second level and just eliminate Zaire Franklin. And you can see Andrew Thomas just bully Zaire Franklin off the spot, man. We've seen the wham and the trap blocks incorporated maybe, what, once or twice every game for the last five weeks. I really yes. think the Giants are starting to find a groove with that specific blocking scheme now that Daniel Bellinger is healthy and up to speed because Bellinger can execute that assignment very well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that's just an added benefit. Remember, we lost Bellinger for a decent portion of the season. And now we have him back and the run game starting to get back and coordinated together. I don't think that's a coincidence. And you'll see it on this play, the second and three play. My brother was at the game, said this was the best blocked run play he's seen from the Giants, maybe in, like, not in his lifetime, because he was really young during the 07, 08 days when the O-line was actually good. But since that time basically and you could just see here man like everyone is doing their job here you got bellinger taking the three technique out of the play here early which helps a lot on this you got mark lewinsky who you already said nick had a great game in broadcast on your first view i think the tape confirms he probably had his best game since early in the season like the titans game when he was really blocking well 
Um, he does a great job here to climb and take take away the, the cold second level defender. And the end result here, dude, is like a 19 yard run with just an insane amount of space. Watch this run. Like Barkley is running behind a convoy of blue players here, just clearing the path. It's excellent. It's excellent. We know the Colts come out in this 4-3 over front. You can see Daniel Bellinger as that age back. He's going to motion and then he's going to set right behind Mark Lewinsky. Where's the over front? The three technique is going to be to the strong side, which is the field side, which is where Daniel Bellinger is. So the key block is that Daniel Bellinger block and it's a cut block, right? It's not like he has to hold up at the point of attack against DeForest Buckner, but that's freaking DeForest Buckner, Dan. And he has to cut him. That is not an easy assignment. But what does that do? As we talked about with the wham block, that allows Mark Lewinsky to go right after Bobby Okereke. And that's exactly what happens because Bellinger executes his block. Nick Gates is going to block down on that two I technique. John Feliciano is going to pull around and then watch just Glowinski. Glowinski, this is so quick. He moves so well when he is on the lateral plane, right? Like look how fast Mark Lewinsky is able to cover ground and cut off 58's angle to Saquon Barkley. That is an excellent freaking high level block by Mark Lewinsky. And we have, we have been critical of Mark Lewinsky, in my opinion, rightfully so because of his, his, uh, unfortunate, I guess just play style as a pass protector. But man, when it comes to the run game and he's able to get that free release and climb up to the second level, he's able to do this. And this is something that can really just spring Saquon Barkley for long gains in the playoffs. So hopefully the Giants can continue to uh, to run the football as effectively. And who is one of the key cogs of this blocking scheme? It's number 82, rookie Daniel Bellinger. Yes. Yeah, who plays almost all the snaps at this point for the Giants, despite obviously them moving to this 11 personnel look, which is only one tight end on the field for all but 11% of the snaps. It's Bellinger, almost all of those snaps, as it should be. I mean, he's really proved himself as a rookie. So that sets up a first and 10 here. It's a one-yard gain for Breida here. Yeah, shotgun. Matt Breida just yeah, gets the football, and he tries to find a space. Evan Neal kind of loses his block against Quiddy Pay, who does a really good job slanting inside and giving Evan Neal some trouble. Breida ends up getting tackled for a one-yard gain. That sets up a second and nine here. Again, what Nick said earlier shows up. It's a two-by-two two set, which, again, I agree with you. I mean, we don't have the data to back it up, but just from the eye test watching all this film, they definitely start to incorporate this more over the last three weeks. And you just have a switch released. You have uh, slant, uh, a little slant pattern here with uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Does a good job just creating natural separation with a, with a push off. They'll never, they're never going to call. Like you can, this is both. First of all, the corner has his hand on Hodgins like early in the route, which is going to confirm they're never going to call offensive pass interference, in my opinion. Once that happens, so then just use your strength, use your body to create that last second separation and the timing again with Jones and Hodgins has just been phenomenal. It's been great. And this play is kind of a microcosm of what Mike Kafka is doing with the New York Giants passing attack. Because at the bottom of the screen, the field side, you have that switch release with the number one running the slant and the wheel route, something that Mike Kafka has done the entire season. Only earlier in the season, they were attacking with a backside drag route. They didn't have a backside drag route because instead you have a stack at the top of the screen to the boundary side with Saquon Barkley releasing in that direction. And that's going to take the underneath defender. And then you could see how Richie Jane, or that's Darius Slayton, I believe. Darius Slayton is on the line of scrimmage, Daniel Bellinger off the line of scrimmage. Daniel Bellinger is going to run right behind Darius Slayton and then just sit right as Zaire Franklin crosses through the throwing window, matching Saquon Barkley. And look, Daniel Bellinger's wide open right here, Dan. There's no one on Daniel Bellinger. There's a throwing window there. If Daniel Jones wanted it, yep. he could have, but he trusts Isaiah Hodgins enough to win inside. He knew that the number one match with Isaiah Hodgins and it wasn't a banjo coverage. It wasn't a switch release and there's no one in the middle of the field. So deliver the football to Isaiah Hodgins. And I love that subtle push off right there. As you brought up, you can see how Hodgins, man, he's leaning into the contact, lean, 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 bend, 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 explode out of the break, push off subtly flipper 
don't draw laundry. Isaiah Hodgins does this very well, and you can see the separation that Isaiah Hodgins created. Daniel Jones, very nice pass, high to the inside where Isaiah Hodgins can go up, grab it, secure it, and then the Giants are set up in a really, really good position to score a touchdown. And you want to know one of the reasons why Daniel Jones trusts him to win that route? Because he's proven himself, and he look at the end of that play. The end of the play gives you a great reasoning as to why. How many of these Isaiah Hodgins catches the last few weeks have we seen the exact same? He catches the ball, and there's like three defenders sandwiching him within seconds of him catching the football. Has he ever dropped one of these? No, he's literally caught every single one of these sandwich throws where he's just getting hit immediately, and then there's multiple defenders around him to potentially hit him. Sometimes they have hit him, like last week, where it should have been called helmet to helmet, but he catches the ball and he holds onto the football. That's part of the reason why the quarterback trusts him right now. Yeah, it definitely is one of the reasons. He's very He's been very consistent this entire season. I'm very happy that he's a New York football giant because he's yeah, playing a at a high line. level. I mean, people mm-hmm. wanted Joe Shane to trade like a second second-round pick for Chase Claypool. Instead of trading a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, he literally got a more effective and better receiver than Claypool, and he gave up nothing to get him. It's insane. And I think that that's an excellent point, too, because people will be like, oh, no, Chase Claypool is a second-round pick out of Notre Dame, blah, blah, blah. He has all this. It's like, right now, the way these two players are playing, Isaiah Hodgins is playing at a much higher level than Chase Claypool. Much higher Not only level. Think, If we had Chase Claypool, like, we have nothing at him. Exactly, and we burnt a second-round pick. So it's just excellent scouting from the pro uh, department of the New York Giants, who have really just killed it since they've arrived. Excellent scouting and excellent patience. That was something that was lost on the last general manager of the Giants. He didn't have any patience. This general manager is displayed a ton of patience on multiple levels at multiple different times so far in his tenure. And patience is a really key attribute and trait, in my opinion, for a general manager. Absolutely. And now we're going to have this little short run by Matt Brady. It only ends up going for two yards. You have the split action from Daniel Bellinger to kick out the MN online scrimmage. Watch Andrew Thomas and... And I believe that's Nick Gates in there right now, or is that Ben Bredesen? I can't tell by the number. I think that's Gates. I think that's 65. But watch how they combo DeForest Buckner and just remove him from that area to allow there to be a hole that Zaire Franklin does a good job ultimately kind of putting his nose in to, to tackle Brita for a short game. But you can just see the power from Andrew Thomas when he has those down blocks to really just help Nick Gates out. And then Nick Gates finishes it in typical Nick Gates fashion, driving DeForest Buckner to the deck. Yep. And then there's a penalty for Nick Gates hold. He's actually had a few penalties now over the last couple of games. He gets a hold and we're at second and 17 in the red zone. It feels like this drive is probably over. I mean, we haven't seen the Giants or many teams dig out of these spots. The Giants dug out of the spot. Pretty damn impressive. I haven't seen this talked about too much yet on Twitter, but the fact that they dug out of a seven, a second and goal to 17 is really impressive here. And it starts here with the Colts sending a nickel blitz. Daniel Jones recognizing that. So what does he do? He throws to the hot. It's a quick out to Richie James. That's exactly what you want. You want that post-snap recognition from your quarterback and that ability to understand where the blitz is coming from and then what the solution is. And he finds the solution here. It's an 11-yard game, and it sets up a third and possible in the red zone. This is uh, Matt Breida in the game. I'm wondering if the Colts anticipated a run. It was out of shotgun. Breida was yeah. offset to the opposite side because that nickel blitz, the Giants abused the nickel blitz, right? And you could see Daniel Jones quickly processes it. And it's not like the Colts really had a contingency over the top for Richie James, if he were to be on an outbreaking route, the safety is who assumes that responsibility, who is kind of inside and off of Richie James by what, 10 plus yards. So Daniel Jones quickly diagnoses it and throws it to Richie James, who catches it with about five yards of separation between him and that safety driving downhill. And James almost scores on this play, ends up scoring on the subsequent one, though. Yeah, so Eric sets up the second, the third and goal, and we start to see one of the biggest evolution in Daniel Jones's game. It's his pocket 
pocket manipulation here. We're starting to see a guy who used to be one of the, in my mind, the worst red zone quarterbacks in the NFL becoming you know, actual weapon and a good red zone quarterback. Why? Because he's able to un manipulate the pocket. He's able to create by moving. And one thing he's done so well, and this has been consistent really all year with Brian Dable and, and Mike Kafka and Daniel Jones, his ability to keep his eyes downfield as a runner, which allows him to have the opportunity to find and make plays like this one where a receiver you know, the route stopped and James just kind of freelances here and then gets back open and Jones is able to find him because he's keeping his eyes down the field as a runner. He's maneuvering. He's moving. He's showing himself as a threat as a runner, which forces Colts defenders, whoever's defending this team to kind of at least try to get out of the passing lane and, and make a stop on him as a runner. And then he finds the throw. And that's what he did here. And this is a really phenomenal play by the quarterback here. This is, you know, you can look at this in a lot of different ways, like good on Richie James for like not giving up on the play. Like, no doubt. That's cool. But this is literally all the quarterback here. Like this play is a dead play really well defended by the Colts and the quarterback's ability to create off platform and off script is what leads to a touchdown instead of a field goal. The quarterback is phenomenally Daniel Jones, but I also think we should highlight the three receivers to that side. This is a three by one set and Giants have not really used three by one yet this game, but they come out in the red zone. Got to have a situation third and six, three by one set. Watch how Daniel Bellinger runs the deep over. Richie James runs the spot, and then you're going to have Darius Slayton kind of running, if you want to call it a post, he's just running on the back uh, end line. Watch how they all adjust their routes when Daniel Jones steps up in the pocket and starts to move to his right. They all turn and they all know they're in a mode of extemporization at this point. Yeah. Like Daniel Jones is doing his thing, and this is something Daniel Jones has done. All three of them change their route, and I think Richie James just does a phenomenal job because 33... He's True. he's in position to block James off from the outside. So James kind of swats him away and then just runs right to the goal line. And you can see just how in rhythm and how cohesive James and Daniel Jones are. Because once James turns, Daniel Jones is firing this football and right yep. into his belly. I feel like all three of those receivers did an excellent job. And I can't speak high enough of Daniel Jones on these types of plays. You're, you're right, man. His red zone efficiency and his ability to extend plays with his legs has been phenomenal, specifically over the last four games. Yeah, it's been night and day, and it's been a big reason for the improved offense. So this drive ends in a touchdown. Giants now go up 7-3. They never look back in this game after that. I mean, they're going to get this to to score to 31-3 at one point, I believe. It was 24-3. I think it was 31-3 and 31-10. But the next drive we have here is another touchdown drive. Now, back-to-back -to -back touchdown drives. It's a nine-play, 64-yard uh, drive. It starts off with a miss. Um, here, you, you see kind of like an interesting route combination from the Giants. It's double verts with double cross. But ultimately, I think this is all kind of to try to clear out for Saquon Barkley in the flat. Um, and even Daniel Jones kind of looks off into the middle of the field at first, in my opinion, to kind of hold those defenders. But it's uh, it's it's well played by the Colts here. They, they pat that. Uh, the linebacker recognizes this, gets to the flat, and it's an incomplete throw. And I feel like the Colts did a good job all game kind of matching Saquon Barkley every time he went to the flat, which is one reason why the Giants were able to have so much success in the short. And I guess the intermediate levels of the field on the quick passing attack was because we know that teams have not covered Saquon Barkley well enough in the past, and Daniel Jones always took it. Well, now this team focused on it. That opened up other aspects of the Giants offense that Daniel Jones really exploited. And that really speaks to his growth and development as a quarterback as well. Yeah, well said. And now they're going to see it. We're going to see another first and 10 because there was a penalty on the Colts to set up an auto first. Giants are going to try to run out of the, uh, no, this is not a run here. Oh yeah. The Giants try to run out of the gun. Sorry. It's this one. And it's a one yard law here to set up a second 11. Yeah. It sets up a second 11 Giants come out 11 personnel shotgun attempt to run. 
And Darius Slayton, man, I just wanted to kind of highlight this play because Darius Slayton now, the, the play gets blown up. But watch how he takes on 26. He's in line, basically acting as a second tight end, right? And him and Nick Veneta right next to each other. He gets his hands inside of 26 pretty, pretty well. Cool. And if it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't for 58 filling this perfectly, Saquon Barkley is going to be able to bounce around 26, but 26's job was a slant inside anyways. It's just Darius Slayton kind of held up at the point of attack. And it's one thing about Darius Slayton I've kind of appreciated over the last, I would say probably since the bye week, is just his ability as a blocker. I really feel like it's come along this season, although he's always been a pretty solid blocker. But we more so think of Sterling Shepard in that manner. Yeah, that's a good point. That sets up a second and 11 here. Giants are going to go to quick game here. It's another play where you can see so much trust from that Daniel Jones has in his receiver Hodgins because he leads him into contact again, which is fine because Hodgins catches everything, even if there's a guy coming down to, to hit him. He doesn't never has those alligator arms, right? He never sees the the hit before it's coming, and he, and he does a good job securing this for five yards, set up a third and manageable. He does, and you can see that cornerback at the top of the screen, the field cornerback, playing the out route. He's has a zone cover two type of look on Daniel Bellinger. So they're not really worried about Daniel Bellinger when he's aligned outside the numbers. So watch, he's in his own position, but towards the sideline, waiting for Isaiah Hodgins to go to an out route. And he's just trying to cut that, right? And Hodgins makes the catch and tries to pick up a couple yards. 58 does a good job kind of tackling and securing him to the ground. But this puts the Giants in a third and six spot. Yeah, third and six, got to have it play here. And we get a really good play here from both Daniel Jones and from tight end Daniel Bellinger. Here you're going to see Jones stay patient with this. Stay in the pocket, do a good job of, of, you know, not panicking in the pocket like he used to in his older years and just sit in there, wait for it to get open and deliver a strike here to Bellinger. And Bellinger makes a really tough catch here. This is not an easy catch to make. This is not an easy catch at all. He kind of has to box this defender out like a basketball right. player, man. He positions himself. And Daniel Jones is throwing into the sun, I think, at this point, right? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, he looks like he might be in a shade, but either way, or Daniel Bellinger might be catching this into the sun. And he makes this catch in traffic with the guy draped all over his back. This is kind of like a, a Jason Garrett type of play, man. You're just going to run three curls and just stop at the sticks. And Daniel Bellinger just does it so smoothly. Maybe uh, Jason Garrett would be a Hall of Fame coach if Daniel Bellinger was here last year. <laughs> that would be interesting to, to, to see. But, um, and you're going to just see on this first and 10, a little run, yard, a one yard run here. The, 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 the Colts did a good job to, to contain this run. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. 
Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section, and it was mountain spring water from the Alps, and it was called Liquid Death. And I thought to myself, do I want to try this beverage that is named Liquid Death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst, and their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some liquid death, and I enjoyed it. I was parched, and then I drank it, so I was not. So if you want to try some of this liquid death, go get liquid death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. For a short gain to set up a second and nine where I feel like Daniel Jones has a really excellent play here. Yeah, this is, again, I mean, look, I think Nick did a good job breaking down why the receivers definitely contributed to the last touchdown, but this is an all-quarterback play in my mind, this one specifically, because the Colts are going to bring pressure here. They bring an extra blitz here. It's a five-man rush. And Daniel Jones is, is this to me, is a good example of how in tune Daniel Jones is with the playbook at this point and with the system and with the calls. He understands that based on the coverage he's seeing and the two routes that he's running, the double slant or whatever you want to call it, the two overs, I guess they are, they're not, really slants or two overs coming from that side it's going to take away the coverage which is going to clear a path if he can win the edge around the and the left end because he knows that these defensive backs are going to have to carry these receivers running these two double overs or double slants whatever you want to call it and so what does that lead to he wins the edge there's no one there to replace those defenders eventually a colt the colts are catch on to it but by that point it's too late and daniel jones is running down the sideline free for a big gain of 13. The Colts do a good job scheming up a five-band pressure where they get a free rusher. And this just speaks to how excellent of a play this is by Daniel Jones, man. He has a free rusher in his face. At this moment, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a guy about two yards away from him about to hit him. He 
Daniel Jones, that is diagnosis that this is cover one man coverage, despite the fact that it looked like it could have been a, a cover or some kind of too high defense pre-snap. And then he's able to have the athletic ability to outrun two defenders to the sideline, get the first down and pick up a couple extra yards while taking a hit along the sideline. Excellent diagnosing ability under duress, man. Like he, there's no panic with Daniel Jones at this point. And that's something that we kind of used to question about this quarterback in his little bit of his younger years. But watch how he has the pressure right in his face. He diagnoses the coverage quickly, and he knows he's going to have, with two in-breaking routes to the boundary side, he's going to have the edge, and he's able to exploit right. that, bro. It's just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for this kid, man. This kid puts in the work, and you can tell that the work that he's putting in is starting to, to really lead to wins, and the quarterback's actually putting the team on his back. And now, I will say one thing about the end of the play, Nick. This is something I said live when it happened. I don't love his decision making at the end here. I would have rather him what got out of bounds two year, two yards earlier. Um, the extra three yards he gained there are not important in the long run, and maybe not even so much in the short run. And there's a much greater chance of you getting an injury when you actually try to get those two or three extra yards. And now you're taking a low hit, and a low hit leads to sometimes, not this time, thankfully, but sometimes a bad fall and an ankle injury or a bad fall and a knee injury. So. I just, it'll hopefully change. I don't know if it definitely will. I think this is kind of just who he is. He's like a, he's a, he's in a balls to the wall type player where he's just running into contact and just tough as hell. But like, even so you can't, toughness isn't going to help you from a freak end. It's not going to help you stop a free agent. And he was out of bounds anyway. So it's like really pointless to take that hit. I agree with you. And I don't think Daniel Jones gets enough credit from not giant fans, but maybe people nationally that he has this Ryan Fitzpatrick trait. Like he yeah. will lower his shoulder. He, he will try yeah. to run you over. And to the point where I agree with you, I don't want him to do that. But this guy is going to do anything to win football games. It's gotten him hurt in the past. This year, knocking on wood, it has not. But you got to appreciate the toughness, though. And I know the teammates do. Yeah, you de they definitely do. And you'll see that later in the game when he gets a late hit and they just rally right to his uh, defense. And so this sets up a first and 10 here. And we're going to see what we talked about earlier. One, Mike Kafka doing a good job of showing the look that he ran out of earlier only to pass out of it, right? It's the idea of like showing one thing, keeping showing it, but then doing something different out of it. And then we wanted this last week. We wanted a vertical route from Bellinger from that fullback position, and we got one here. And it's just such a beautiful thing to watch a play like this from a design standpoint. Like from the X's and O's of it, man, it's just crazy. Like going from Garrett days to this, we never really saw this type of stuff with Jason Garrett. Maybe once in a blue moon, there was something like this, but not often. And what does it lead to a 24 yard gain and unreal ball placement too from Jones, right? Like this ball could be thrown in a lot of different spots, but he throws this away from contact for Bellinger. He throws it away from contact it's over the top of the underneath defender. And it's not leading him right into Stefan Gilmore who came off his route. Well, watching on the sideline, right. sideline angle, because this is one of my favorite plays. We saw Daniel Bellinger have a 16 yard catch on something similar from an offset eye position last week. He ended up fumbling it. This is a straight eye formation, something the Giants do not run. It's 12 personnel last week against Minnesota. It was 11 personnel. But watch what the play action element does to Zaire Franklin, number 44. And watch Saquon Barkley's path and how smart this is because the Giants are going to form a double team with Feliciano and Glowinski on the top of this two eye technique, right? And watch how Saquon Barkley does not bounce this into the B gap where Daniel Bellinger is running. Instead, he kind of goes back to the A gap to create a screen on number 44. Now, I don't know if Barkley did this on purpose or not, but this is really smart because watch 44. 44 is stepping back like he's going to drop into coverage, but then he sees Barkley bounce back inside and watch how he kind of shifts his weight back inside like he's going to go towards the line of scrimmage. There's that slight indecision on what the hell is going on and who has the football that 
really allows Daniel Bellinger to blow right past 44 and the other defender. I think even that subtlety of Saquon Barkley not going to the B gap and cutting it back to the opposite A gap really froze those linebackers for a split second to allow Daniel Bellinger to come open here. And just like you said, great throw from Daniel Jones to not get Daniel Bellinger killed. And you can really appreciate it from the sideline angle as well. The orbit motion is another thing that kind of just gets into the Colts head. Like what the hell is Darius Slayton doing running behind the eye formation? You can see just how much space Daniel Bellinger has um, this kind of like fullback leak, tight end leak, something that Kyle Shanahan runs quite often type of play. Yeah, broke it down perfectly, Nick. I love it. And just fun to watch this type of stuff happen for the Giants now. And that sets up a first and goal after this play. The Giants are going to just have a Y insert, which you talked about a little bit earlier, some nuances of the run game here. Um, but this is a good rep for the Colts. It's so it's now you're not going to have perfect against the Colts run D. They got guys like DeForest Buckner on this play. And you can watch DeForest Buckner win his rep against Bredesen, and that eliminates the chance of this play being successful. Yeah, Bredesen kind of gets tossed aside. I'm not sure if Bredesen thought that Daniel Bellinger would help him, but Daniel Bellinger is just inserting from the H-back spot, and he goes and he picks up 26 because Darius Slayton can't cut that angle off, and then the play is just kind of blown up because DeForest Buckner, though he's on a crappy team, he is one damn good football player, and that kept popping up on film. Yep, and that sets up this second and goal, and here we've got a great touchdown. Dan Orlovsky, if you guys want to check it out, did a fun breakdown of this one on Twitter. Um, just to show, it seems like, look, a simple pitch and catch touchdown, but I thought he did a good job breaking down why this is a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more of a great play from both Jones, the quarterback, and the receiver, Hodgins, to make this possible, understanding the leverage, understanding where the defenders are for Jones, and that impacts where the ball placement needs to be. This is pinpoint perfect ball placement. Yeah, you may look at it like, what? What are you talking about? It's a six-yard throw. Why are you saying words like pinpoint and perfect on a six-yard throw? But if this ball is thrown into any other spot, but it's not going to be a touchdown. This needs to be low. It needs to be in that spot away from both of those defenders. And that's exactly where it is. It's an excellent throw by Daniel Jones. Empty formation. The New York Giants come out in aligned on what, like the six yard line or the, yeah, I believe like the six yard line or something like that, man. And Isaiah Hodgins is smart. He's just a very smart receiver. Brian Dable, every chance he gets to talk about Isaiah Hodgins, the first thing that he says is he's very smart and just read the leverage 44 is well inside of Isaiah Hodgins who's off the hash by about maybe a yard maybe two yards and then you have the defender who is over the top of him in the end zone about two yards into the end zone so all Isaiah Hodgins does is he reads 44 who's a linebacker and then he sees that that safety stays over the top in the end zone and he just sits man Daniel Jones recognizes it these two are on the same exact page pitch and catch perfect accuracy like you said touchdown for Isaiah Hodgins I'm so happy for both of these kids Yep, and that'll set up another drive coming up after this one, which was a nine-play 43-yard drive. This one was just before halftime here, so they were working against the clock. I think if they had the full clock here, Nick, they could have scored on this one too because they're coming off back-to-back touchdown drives. This one's a field goal drive, but we, we won't know that. We can never um, kind of determine that type of thing. But I will say this. When they got the ball here, Nick, there was not that much time remaining on the game clock. And in the past, remember earlier this season when the Giants got the ball in those spots, especially with a lead, right? Not even, it's even more so pronounced the fact that they had a lead. They wouldn't really go for anything. They'd kind of run the ball, maybe spark a big run with Barkley and be like, all right, maybe we reevaluate. They went into the gun here and they attacked and they tried to score points here despite having a lead. That's the confidence that they have now in their pass game that they ultimately did not have at all times here. And so I just wanted to bring that up before we go over this drive because it was something that's really interesting to me and might play out in the playoffs too in these bigger matchups. But we start here with a little nine-yard uh, pass to Darius Slayton. Um, and this is probably, in my mind, one of the most interesting throws of the game. It might end up being our my superlative. 
just because I'll say this about Daniel Jones. I haven't always been a huge fan of his arm talent in the past, but I do feel like his arm strength has improved as time has gone by with maybe off-season tra- training and regimen. I don't know what it is, or maybe I underestimated it to begin with. That's also possible. But it takes a lot of arm talent to be able to get this throw to the intended target here, Darius Slayton. It's a good job by Slayton, too, to extemporize and, and find a spot for Jones to throw it into. But man, oh, man, Jones is being dragged to the ground here. So this is a completely off-balance base, and yet he has enough arm strength to get this ball right on the money to, to Slayton. And it's not like there's some like massive open window, right? It's not like two Colts defenders fell and Slayton's just standing there open. There's still Colts defenders right around the intended receiver. So it's not like you can really afford to just like lob this ball out there or throw it off target. You got to rip this thing on the money like he did here while being tackled by a defender just before his knee hits the ground. It's pretty insane. It's a great throw by Daniel Jones. And I also think, and you brought this up, Darius Slayton does a really good job extending the play and and kind of running into space because he saw that the defender who was matching Saquon Barkley decided to match him near the line of scrimmage, which basically opened a throwing window up in the intermediate part of the field to set up a second one. Man, that's a nine-yard game when the Giants already had good field position to start. And I think this drive started with 43 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. It was like right before the half. Giants are in extreme there two minutes. Yep, that's extreme two minutes. And they won't even try that earlier this year. That's a huge sign of things to come in my mind. That sets up a second and one where they just hit the quick out to Richie James here. Nice little uh, nice little play for the Giants to kind of get out of bounds, keep the clock stop, and pick up a first down. Yeah, Giants, again, boundary stack. It's going to be a quarters type of look from the Colts. You're going to have Darius Slayton kind of clear out and just draw the attention. You can see how both 33 and the other defender who kind of cheats outside, he has no chance. The inner defender on Richie James and 33 is paying attention to Darius Slayton, who is a vertical threat. So you just run Richie James. Right at the 50, just get the football to him. Quick, decisive throw from Daniel Jones. Yep, sets up a first and 10 here. And we're going to see something we've seen at times throughout the season with the fast four motion with Saquon Barkley motioning to the three receiver side. And what does it all do? What's the point of it all? To set up this quarterback draw run from Daniel Jones. And I'll say this, if the block at the second level reaches, and it's a hard block to make, but if they reach that block, there's going to be a lot more space for Jones. And I think he's going to cut it back inside run and then slide hopefully i don't know if he'll slide he's daniel jones but it ends up being a nine yard game but this one they'll come back to because this one could have been an even bigger play i think this is a seven yard game but either way this is something that sorry yeah the giants run this all the time like every time you start to see the fast four it's typically a quarterback draw because look what the linebackers are doing they all just shift and this is more so an rpo like i believe that daniel jones could throw this because you have the three stock blockers like they're actually going to block they're not just like cheese dicking it because they know daniel jones is going to take it but when the second level defenders all shift like they are right at this moment if you're watching on youtube it would be dumb for daniel jones to not run the football so he takes it's just feliciano is a step behind from blocking that linebacker and it only goes for seven when it could have went for maybe 20 yeah exactly right and so it sets up a second and three here um this is just a good play by the Colts here. They try to hit Barkley, but it ends up being a two-yard loss. Yeah, now Barkley is in the flat. You can see how 51, I believe that's Quiddy Pay, bites up, and now you have Barkley with a defender who is over the top of the stack with some depth. He reads it really well, gets down to Saquon Barkley, and ends up making this tackle or just forcing him out of bounds, which kind of leads to what would eventually be a, a field goal attempt, even though there are two more plays or a couple more plays, but a negative play at this point with the clock ticking. We're just lucky that Saquon Barkley got out of bounds. Yeah, good point. I think they had one timeout at this point. So sets up a third and five here for the Giants, and you're going to get a seven-yard scramble run by Jones to keep the drive alive. I think when he watches this one film, he might uh, have wished he threw this ball to Bellinger, who was open for a moment there. 
Um, but instead he decides to kind of just use his legs here and create seven yards. Yeah, I don't think he even realized that Bellinger came open because he abandons at this point when Bellinger is starting to break and turn around. It's a cover two type of defense. You can see too high. Bellinger runs free because Daniel Jones kind of ends up running to the opposite direction, picking up a couple yards with his legs. Another tough run by Daniel Jones. He doesn't run through any contact, but he has to cover a lot of ground, ends up picking up the first down. Yep, and that sets up a first and 10, the biggest play of this drive. It's a 19-yard gain to Isaiah Hodgins. And this, my man, this is something Hodgins talked about in his, in a, you know, he did a podcast with, I forget who, but he's talking about how much he learned from being in Buffalo and specifically from Stefan Diggs. One of the things he learned is how to attack your routes and be the aggressor, be the attacker on the route. Well, this is a good example of that. Look at how he uses his right leg to attack this route. He uses his right leg right there. Boom, slams it into the ground. That gets the cornerback off balance and then drives back inside and just creates three, you know, three, four, five, six feet of separation, which is a lot in the NFL. I mean, this is a really filthy route for a receiver, like any receiver. You want to say, oh, the Giants don't have anyone really good at receiver. Well, this is a really good play from a wide receiver. I don't care what he's considered right now by people. This is a wide receiver one play. He's not a wide receiver one. The Giants still need a wide receiver one. I'm clear on that. I understand that. You guys are all right about that. But this is the type of play that wide receiver ones make. They create that kind of separation on a route. This is excellent. You have Isaiah Hodgins in the slot, two by two set. He gets isolated against a linebacker. Watch how the linebacker has to shift over the top of Isaiah Hodgins like right before the snap. Because Saquon Barkley is going to flare to the boundary where you have two routes. That's going to shift one of the linebackers over to the boundary side, which is going to open up the middle of the field and give Isaiah Hodgins that two-way go, which he is ultimately going to win inside. But you're right, man, that stanky leg, that hard outside jab foot. And watch the head fake and the shoulders. His shoulders and his head are both turning into this break at the top of his route. And he goes inside and look what that does. This is a linebacker. There's a mismatch already he didn't even need to do all this this is just theatrics at this point right like he can win inside yeah. against this linebacker but he really gets him to bite to the outside and i'm telling you man this is one of the most underrated parts of isaiah hodgins game is his ability to fake and manipulate defenders at the top of his breaks he does it every single game he does it when he doesn't get targeted sometimes and he is if his name wasn't isaiah hodgins and if it was say a justin jefferson Rightfully so. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of attention because he is a superstar. But if this was Justin Jefferson, I guarantee people would be talking about how nasty of a of a move this is. I know it's against a linebacker, but still, we've seen him do this against cornerbacks as well. It's it's a very, very great trait to have. And, yeah. uh, and I really appreciate seeing it every week. It's, it's a real joy to watch. Yep. And so now that sets up a first and 10. Time's running out. At this point, I think it's like 13 seconds, Nick. So they, they really have to be cognizant of the clock. They don't want to get in anything in bounds because then they can't get the field goal off. I would say Jones probably wishes he had this one back maybe because Richie James is open on this route and he's just not looking in that direction at any point, which is fine. That's going to happen. That's not the read, right? The read is to the left. So it's a quick hitting play. You don't have that much time, uh, but they'll see it on tape and they'll know that they could have potentially had a touchdown here with James. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, that defender who's in the middle of the field would have vacated like he did. It looks like he does. He looks like he vacates to get Saquon Barkley anyway. So yeah. You have that stick and nod route by Richie James from the number two position. He would have had a ton of space, but either way, it's uh, tried to get the football in the Saquon Barkley's hand, ends up going incomplete, which was probably for the best anyways. And that sets up a second and 10 here, the last play of the half. Just going to throw it out of bounds here. This is probably designed to, you know, if there's something that looks good, throw it, but otherwise most likely just get it out of bounds and help help us maintain the field goal opportunity. Exactly. Smart move, get the field goal, get out of there with a the big lead in the first half. Yep. 
And so now we roll into halftime here with a massive lead. This is the first blowout game of the Giants season. First blowout in a long time, man. Largest margin victory since 2014, which is, again, just absolutely insane and fun. They finally had a really fun blowout win. Um, and so this halftime drive, the first drive of the half, doesn't start out great here. <laughs> the first play, it's a six-yard gain, a nice little quick game hit by Jones to Slayton, but Slayton doesn't secure the ball after the catch, and it's a fumble. Fumble. Fumbles kill, right? Well, not not necessarily against the Colts, I guess, but this is not the best way to come out of the half. You know, you're all hyped. You have your halftime script. Darius Slayton puts it on the ground, and the Colts celebrate, but the Colts don't really do anything with this, right? This ends up being a... I believe, did the Colts kick a field goal after this? I don't think so, because it's just 10. They didn't score a touchdown, so they didn't even get anything out of this, right? Yeah, they didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's insane. But we'll go over that on the defensive pod. But that sets up a, a sixth drive, six play, 62 yep. yards for a touchdown. One of Daniel Jones' rushing touchdowns, his first rushing touchdown. Yeah, six play, 62-yard drive. It starts off here with a no gain for Barkley. I just feel like... Uh, Gates was was beat pretty bad on this play, which is going to happen against a pretty good interior defensive line at times. Yeah, I believe that was DeForest Buckner. You could see him just basically swim right around Gates, a move that we've witnessed Dexter Lawrence perform several times this year. And that's really smooth, man. Watch how he lands that inside arm on the inside shoulder of Gates and just brings the outside arm over the top, creating all that separation. Gates is holding him, but to no avail. DeForest Buckner, man, like we said, he's he's a very good football player, and he made several plays like that throughout the game. Yep, and that sets up a second and ten here. Huge play here from the giant from the Giants offense here. It's a twenty-eight yard connection from Daniel Jones to Richie James here. Um, excellent play, decisive quarterbacking from Jones. Ball's on the spot. Timing is great. That's been the key, man, to this upgraded pass offense. The timing is so good, um, and it gives the re- the throw gives the receiver a chance to run after the catch. Yeah, I'm not really even one hundred percent sure how this how James was able to evade this tackle. Like it seems like this guy's in position to make this tackle, but James does an excellent job, like bringing his feet so far to the inside and turning that tight corner that that cornerback doesn't even look like he gets a hand on Richie James, who ends up picking up several extra yards. And this is just an excellent way to, to get the football out of your hands when you have somebody right in your face, because 44 is Zaire Franklin. He sees the C's part and he just runs directly at Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones is waiting for James to get out of his break. And then he delivers the football in stride for a big game. And that's going to set up another first and 10 here for the Giants. And you're going to see a two-by-two stack to the boundary. This is something Nick was talking about. And what does that create here? It creates a little hole for Daniel Jones to find Daniel Bellinger for eight yards. Daniel Jones is quick with the ball. He's decisive. And the delivery is right on time. And again, look, Saquon Barkley is going to flare out. What does that do? It's going to draw that defender who is not Stefan Gilmore, the you can call him the apex, even though that safety is kind of cheating down. But the apex defender, the guy who's between Stephon Gilmore and the end man on the line of scrimmage, he's going to widen. Then you have the linebacker. So Bellinger is going to cut his route off and then just act as a spot route between both of those defenders with Darius Slayton clearing out the safety and the cornerback. Just take what is there. Daniel Jones does that well. Daniel Bellinger falls through contact. Nice, solid game. Yep. And that's going to set up a second and two here. And they're just going to run a little zone read here. Jones is going to decide to keep the ball and get three yards. Despite the defensive end crashing, the, the corner plays this well. And this is the biggest hit Jones takes all day, the scariest hit, at least in my mind, uh, from an injury standpoint. You just don't want to see your quarterback taking a hit right at the knees. Uh, like Stephon Gilmore is just like a – he can hit, man. Like We saw He's that with kind of like an a-hole, too, with the way he plays. <laughs> an a-hole? Yeah, right? He's kind yeah. of like an a-hole. Like he did, he did this against the Chargers. So like I've seen him do this type of stuff all year. It's fine. Like It's legal. But like, and again, it is 
legal. So whatever. But like, this is a, this is a, like that could have been an injury. I'm all about like defenders. If the quarterback wants to run at you, you, you yeah, yeah, right. He's allowed to possible. Yeah. Yeah. And Jones, luckily he just pops right back up though, because he's a tough SOB. Okay, and that sets up a first and ten situation after that three-yard gain. It's a little five-yard catch for Richie James. Quick game again. Jones delivers it on time, and it sets up a second and five. And this is another reduced stack, right? These guys are really tight off the line of scrimmage. You can see the off-leverage, so what do the Giants do? They just run Daniel Bellinger. He's going to occupy the safety in the cornerback, and that's going to isolate that linebacker against Richie James. And Richie James is just going to sit and make the catch. And Daniel Jones probably wishes he put this maybe a little bit more to the outside. Maybe he thought that Stefan Gilmore was closer to Richie James. Richie James still catches it, spins, and then just gets tackled. The Giants are just eating, eating against the Colts defense in that area of the field to the boundary against the off leverage. I mean, how many throws have we kind of discussed throughout this tape, Dan, where the catch was made in that area of the field? Yeah, that's a great point. They, 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 like you said, he's a tendency exploiter, Mike Kafka. He understands where to attack on these defenses, and he exploits them. And here on the touchdown run here on a second and five, I mean, this is just fun stuff, right? They're designing quarterback power for Daniel Jones. That's the kind of weapon he can be for the Giants as an asset. And as you'll see here on this quarterback power run, you get a great crackback block from, from Hodgins. You also have a great job by your boy here in this game, at least, Nick, Mark Lewinsky. Look at him coming all the way over from right guard and eliminating a player who would have made the play on this to stop this for like what a two yard gain or a no gain he literally creates this touchdown in a lot of ways by reaching that block and putting that player on the ground this is the play that i was like oh it might have been clipping but you know what man it's close that like i'm not it's not clear you know he kind of does he get his head in front like it's kind of hard to tell maybe not so that maybe right. that is kind of clipping but mark Lewinsky, dude he's very like when you watch him dan his ability to cut these angles off and get to the second level, like that's just impressive. And you do not see a lot of offensive linemen who can do that consistently. And it's something that Glowinski does every time he gets that free release, whenever he's able that this is a, going to be a quarterback run, right? So he's able to easily climb. You could see, I think it might've been, I'm wondering if this was like a read because you have blocking to the other side as well. Now this is definitely just a design quarterback run bash back away from, uh, back away from the actual play route with, play side tackle in the center kind of kicking into space Mark Lewinsky just like you said man excellent job against that player who ends up I think getting stepped on by John Feliciano which is kind of funny yep touchdown Giants though awesome stuff great finish from Daniel Jones there to extend the lead and then we're going to dive into this final drive that we're going to run here it's the eight play 70 yard touchdown drive we'll, we'll, we'll throw up the Tyrod Taylor stuff after um, and let it run through as we get to superlatives but we'll break down this as our final drive here and it starts off here with his own read and this time he gives the ball to Saquon Barkley, and it's a 12-yard run here. Really good winning, really good win at the point of attack by the Giants' offensive line. Spoiler alert: the first, I think, six yeah. plays of this drive are zone reads. It's just the Giants yes. just saying, "You can't stop us. Like, have fun, but you can't stop us." And the Colts really couldn't. And this is excellent blocking from the New York Giants up front. You're going to have a penetrating Grover Stewart go right through that A-gap and just look how John Feliciano uses momentum against them and just rides him away. Andrew Thomas with just an excellent scoop off the combo. Ben Bredesen locates a second-level defender. That's just crisp blocking up front from the New York Giants. And I love yeah. saying that, by the way. We just haven't yeah. said that a lot over the last decade. Yeah, yeah. and really we started to say a little bit earlier in the year with that Titans game and stuff like that, um, but it started to come back, which is really a good sign. There's more continuity, better health on the offensive line. This rotation seems to be working well. Evan Neal's playing better. I think he's more healthy as well. 
So maybe it's a sign of things to come here on this next play. It's another zone read back to back. This time Jones keeps it and there's just absolutely no one there as the defensive end crashes and Bellinger does a good job of holding his block for long enough to win. Now, I think that player asked for a flag. I don't think it should have been. I watched it back a few times and I thought it was a good no call here. Um, one thing I love at the end of this run, man, understand the situation here, right? It's 31 10 at this point. Slide. Do not take a hit. And that's exactly what Daniel Jones does here. Look at Evan Neal and Mark Lewinsky again. Just drive this three technique well off the ball. Look at the Crazy lower leg drive yeah. of Evan Neal, man. Watch how he just puts his feet in the ground and just churns and just removes that player. Bellinger, he gets a little bit of a hold there, but it's not the most egregious thing. He lets go at an okay manner. It's just the Colts, man. They were very undisciplined playing this. You can see how Quiddy Pay just crashes down the line of scrimmage, and Daniel Jones just keeps it for a really long gain of it's 25 yards. It's crazy to me, by the way, right? Like, Gus Bradley's a pretty solid coach, whatever, but, like, it's a bit crazy to me that any team at this point of the season, this deep into it with all the film the Giants put out there, would play so undisciplined against the run against the quarterback. Like, this is the first time we've really seen this manner of, of undisciplined run defense on these zone reads in, what, like, two months or more? against the Giants. Um, what did it lead to? 91 yards rushing for the quarterback for Jones. Some of that was designed and just scrambles as well. This one, I'm yeah. wondering if this cornerback is supposed to be the force corner. He steps a little bit too far inside and just goes right into Daniel Bellinger to the point where I think Quiddy Pay was just anticipating a handoff, and that's just something you can't do against Daniel Jones. He's very, very quick and decisive um, in the mesh point to either take the ball or hand it off to Barkley. Yep, exactly right there. And so that sets up another first and 10. And as Nick said, we're going to see a lot more zone reads. Here's another zone read to Barkley for six yards. Yep. Barkley just takes it off the back of the double team where you can see Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal again. Evan Neal uproots his defender and puts him on the ground. And I know the defender's kind of leaning towards trying to get Saquon Barkley. I believe that's DeForest Buckner. But watch how Evan Neal finishes this block with Mark Lewinsky. Just drives him into the deck. It's a very good run blocking game from Evan Neal. Yes, it is. Agreed. And that sets up a third and three here. Giants going to run zone read again. Remember, Kafka loves to do these on these like game ceiling clinching drives here. Um, he just loves to to uh, just say F it basically. Or no, sorry, this is a second down run where they go for three yards on his own read. But he just runs like the same play over and over on some of these drives and and it's consistent with it and, and it works at times. It's crazy. It does work. Uh, this is a play where DeForest Buckner was like, all right, I got pile drive into the ground last play, but this time I'm <laughs> going to split your double team and make the tackle, and that's exactly what happened. And that sets up a third and one. That's what I was talking about here. Or third and three, I should say. Sorry. And they run zone read again. This is like, what, the sixth play in a row, the fifth play in a row. Jones decides to keep it. Doesn't get it, but at the same time, does stiff arm 58 to the ground, which is pretty damn cool. Yes, stiff arming 58 to the ground, Bobby Okereke, it was pretty awesome because you could see 54 crash, but Gus Bradley had Bobby Okereke playing his own read, playing Daniel Jones, so he allowed 54 to crash, and then here's the stiff arm. I wish there was a better angle of it. You can't really see it too well here, but 58 ends up going on the ground, and I know he kind of makes a tackle, but it, to get stiff armed to the deck by a quarterback like Daniel Jones, yes. it's not Cam Newton, it's not Josh Allen. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty excellent to see. Yep. And then eventually they settle for the, they settle for the field goal, but it gets called back by a penalty on the Colts to extend the drive. And as you're seeing here, Jones will then, uh, you know, take a run here or, or try to run, run out of this play action boot here. Uh, but ultimately the Colts are ready for this one. He takes a huge hit here. They get flagged for it. And immediately the Giants offensive line rushes over to defend the quarterback, which you love to see. 
uh, Feliciano and Ben Bredesen were just ready to throw hands. And that was dirty because if you watched it in slow motion on the broadcast, you could see Bobby Okereke puts his elbow right into the helmet of Daniel Jones. So excellent to see the offensive line take care of their quarterback like that. But I'm not surprised with the offensive linemen that were out there. If Nick Gates was on the field for that or like in the area, it would have been uh, really bad for Bobby Okereke. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You could tell Bobby Okereke was pissed because the last play got stiff-armed to the ground by Jones and took it out on him. Um, exactly. And so anyway, we have this split zone here from Brita after the penalty to set up a first down. It goes for nothing here, which sets yeah, up ben, the second down. Ben Bredesen kind of lost his battle to Grover Stewart. He was a pretty good run defender as well. He got stacked and shed at the line of scrimmage. But at this point, the Colts are very aware of the Giants just trying to run the clock out. Yes. Um, but here's the second down, the final touchdown of the game. They run their classic play-action boot for Jones. Colts undisciplined on it. Jones has the edge, takes a big hit, but scores the touchdown. And not only were the Colts undisciplined on it, because 26 was supposed to come in and maybe be the contained defender, right. even though 33 is out there. But watch what Daniel Bellinger does to 26. 26 is trying to go through the C-gap. Daniel Bellinger just slaps him in the back and 26 falls. And then Daniel Bellinger removes the cornerback by running around, which allows Daniel Jones to run around the edge. It's just one of those reps, man, that like, you know, you, it won't show up on the stat sheet, but it's just, it's pretty fun that Daniel Bellinger just made that guy whiff. He falls on the ground. He, he gets up. He doesn't really have a clue on what the hell's going on. Like, look at 26. He's like, oh, well. Where the hell am I? What's going on? Yeah. He gives somebody to block. No idea who has the football. And then Daniel Jones is just trotting into the end zone. Freaking love this. Yeah, game. it's pretty funny how you break that down because it is like a nice like non-box score type of thing because he gets not only does he get the guy on the ground, but then he impacts the play in another way by just running a route to clear out the other defender. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, like it's not like he pancaked this guy. I think this guy was expecting Daniel Bellinger to contact him. So he leans into the contact and Daniel Bellinger was just like whip. Bye. I wish Chris Berman was here to make a really cool sound effect. And then, like you said, eliminate the Whoop. other defender. Whoop. Yeah, whatever he does, man. It's pretty cool. But, man, it's, uh, it's just fun to watch, no, man. It's fun to watch. the Raggins like Daniel Bellinger on a block. Nah, that's no good. <laughs> All right, we try. We try. We try. All right, let's run the bro. tape for the last Tyrod Taylor stuff, and then let's get into some superlatives as we run that through. Um, so I'll start it up here. Let's talk about your unheralded player of the game. I think I know who's going to get this for you, but I want to hear it anyway. That's actually curious because I'm not really 100% certain who I want to give it to because like Isaiah Hodgins is someone that I feel like I could easily go with. He's kind of heralded. Richie James is heralded. But uh, I'm going to go with Evan Neal on this one because I feel like he had an excellent game. And when offensive linemen have great games, like I think in, on Twitter, we follow Evan Neal enough to where we discuss it. Right. But it's not like they're scoring touchdowns or anything like that. So some of it can kind of go under the rug. I feel like sure. relative to the other film we've seen of Evan Neal, this was substantially better. So I have to tip my cap to him. Because he wasn't the best player out there, but damn, he was so much better than he's been in the past. So I'm going to go with Evan Neal. Is that the player you thought I was going to go with? I actually thought you were going to go with Mark Lewinsky. So I'll give it to Mark Lewinsky, who also had some key blocks. I mean, the block he made on the play we just talked about to reach that was super impressive. And it wasn't his only super impressive block of the game. So I'll go Glowinski. How about for you, the best throw you saw on tape? The best throw I saw on tape? Look, there were plenty of throws that you can go with. I think I might go with the Isaiah Hodgins one, which was not as discussed. Oh, by the way, there's an Evan Neal block. It might have already happened. I'm actually going to go back to the previous play. There's an Evan Neal block here. I put it on my Twitter where he kicks out in the space and he eliminates a defender. And it's so awesome to watch. Maybe it didn't happen yet, but either way, you'll see it soon. But yeah, I'm going to go with the the just the simple Isaiah Hodgins. I think the way Dan Orlovsky broke that down was excellent. He's exactly right. That had to be in that one location 
for Isaiah Hodgins to go down and catch it in order for Isaiah Hodgins not to take a hit or for it to be knocked down or possibly even intercepted. So I know it's not the most impressive throw aesthetically, but I think there's a lot that goes into it. And the fact that he was able to do that in a high leverage situation in the red zone is something that I really just have grown to appreciate about Daniel Jones because he's really showing his ability to do it this year. And I love that about him. So I'm going to go with that one. That's a fair take, and I think that's a good one. I'm going to go with the throw we went over where he was being tackled to the ground and then gets the ball to Slayton anyway. I mean, that's just a lot, lot of arm talent that, you I mean, not all quarterbacks can make that throw, which is always a good sign. Whenever you're saying about your quarterback, not all quarterbacks can make that throw, I think that's a good sign. Let's go with the best way. route. Yeah, look, look at it. Yeah. Watch this Watch poor number 32. Oh, jeez. 32. And he's a kind of off balance, and uh, he just gets – Evan Neal, man. Evan Neal is just an absolute hoss in this game. But anyways, sorry. <laughs> Great game from Neal, for sure. Um, let's do the best route you saw on tape. Has to be the Isaiah Hodgins one that we broke down for about five minutes where he really sold the outside break and the linebacker bit, and then he just came inside for, I think, like a 19-yard gain. That was an excellent route. I think there's a couple other ones that could really come to mind from Richie James, who I feel like is a underrated route runner, but I'm going to go with the Isaiah Hodgins one. I am also going with that Hodgins one as well. There were other good ones, but the Hodgins one to me was the best. How about the bet your favorite play call from Mike Kafka in this game? It's got to be the Daniel Bellinger tight end fullback wheel, fullback leak, whatever you want to call it. I I love that play call. I love the fact that he's adding it to this arsenal. I think it can maybe spring an explosive play whenever they do decide to use it. So I think it's another wrinkle on this offense that I have grown to appreciate that Mike Kafka is employing. I'm going to go with that one as well. That's just the best of the game. How about the best player on tape for you? Best player, man, I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. I think he just had one hell of a game. I think it could easily have been Andrew Thomas, who we haven't really talked about this entire podcast. But look, we don't need to talk about him. You guys are watching the film. He's not out there right now, but you guys are watching the film, and you can just see every play. The guy is just absolutely phenomenal with his technique, and he is very, very crisp with basically everything he does. But what Daniel Jones did in this game gives me confidence moving forward for the New York Giants offense as they head into the playoffs because of all the things that Dan and I have brought up throughout this entire podcast. So I'm going to go with Daniel. I'm also going to go with Daniel Jones in this game. I think one of the biggest factors and why he was the best player on film is there were more plays than even, you know, than even at times. And he's had great games this season, but this might have been his best. And there were more, there were a few more plays than usual where I just felt like they were almost all him. Some of those scrambles that he decided to to scramble on on dead plays that was covered well and he turned into first downs that's amazing stuff and then obviously everything he did on the ground 91 yards added via the ground is huge so for me it's daniel jones for sure here this was his most decisive best player of the game on film for me this year uh, um let's wrap up with a pass blocking grade one through ten and then a run blocking grade start with a pass blocking grade yeah pass blocking grade one through ten i think the giants were excellent in pass protection and i think they were excellent as run blocking teams though i'm gonna go with a 9.3 pass blocking grade. Like they, they weren't really threatened at all, even with the force yep. Buckner. And you could even tell team that doesn't blitz that much. They were sending some blitzes. They were sending some fire zone. They were sending some five man pressure packages. They were trying to attack the, the giants in the interior part, but the giants held up. So a 9.3 man, I think is well-deserved going nine, five. I mean, this was unlike last game where I thought it was, they were great in pass protection too, but they still had like three bad reps by Evan Neal and a bad rep here by, by Gates. There really wasn't any of that in this game, basically. I can't remember too. We just watched the film. I don't know if I remember a single really bad rep. There were some not so good reps, but there weren't any like horrific reps the entire game. This is almost as close to perfect as it gets. There's a lot of quick games, so you got to keep that in mind. That's why I'm not going to go 10-0 or anything like that, but 9-5. It's the highest pass blocking grade of the year by far 
for the Giants. And like I said on last night's podcast, like that's two out of the last three games where the Giants haven't allowed a sack, which is big. How about run blocking? Because this is as high as it's been for a while for me. Yeah, the run blocking was excellent in this game. And I think it was also excellent because there were different types of run blocks, right? It wasn't just the same old thing. They were executing different assignments and they were doing it. To me, it looked like they were doing it really well, right? Like they were blocked up very well against the defensive front that's not terrible. The Colts suck, but their defensive front is not terrible at defending the run. I'm going to go with an 8-6. There were a couple plays where I feel like DeForest Buckner just absolutely blew up the interior offensive lineman. It's going to happen against really good football players like DeForest Buckner, but overall, I feel like it was really solid. I don't remember, Dan, the last time we had a run blocking grade that was even above 8, so this is um, it's pretty freaking excellent that the Giants are uh, playing this well and this cohesively at this point of the season. I'll go 8.9, just under the 9 mark. I agree with you. There were sometimes the Fars Buckner one inside, but for the most part, they were able to run the ball, and they did it in different ways. And more importantly for me, why the grade is so high, they did it when they had to at the end of the game. When everyone knew they were running, they still took it to them, and they won the point of attack. And so this was the most cohesive it's looked in a long time, which is a great sign, dude, because they're rolling into the playoffs. That's like the key to all this. Like They're looking more cohesive as a run-blocking unit. They're looking more cohesive as a pass-blocking unit. They're looking more cohesive as a timing offense in the passing game. And the defense could potentially getting, be getting some big pieces back in Adori and then McKinney coming back and playing more. That could help them. So we'll see what happens, but this is a very exciting time. We'll wrap up there. This was the offensive film breakdown. Keep it locked. Got one more thing. Here. We got oh, the yes. giant win here. Yes, I saw, I saw it in the background, and I have it here. And I got to say, Greg Hanlon, look, I'm doing this contest with my girlfriend where we're going to read a book every month. And if whoever is the winner, whoever reads the most pages, the most books in a year, they're going to be able to pick out the next dog breed of the dog that we are going to get. Oh, that's so huge. I'm going to destroy Diana. Like I already told her, like, like I, I can, like if I'm in a reading mood, I fly through books, right? And her, she's relying on the fact that football season comes around August and it kind of consumes all of my time that I'll kind of die off at the end of the year. But the first book that I'm reading is a giant win by Tom Coughlin and Greg Hanlon. So I wanted to shout it out and I'll probably finish it in a couple of days whenever I decide to start reading it. And it's my book for January and I'm probably going to have a second bulldog, but I haven't really, uh, haven't really decided on that part yet. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens there and shout out to Greg Hanlon, who, by the way, as a little spoiler, not Nick brought it up. We will be having Greg on the show to talk about the book and bring up some awesome giant stories in the off season. I, I think is what we figured just because it's a better time to do it, but I have the book as well. I started it. I'm, I'm a few pages in, but not, not, not nearly as many as Nick and not, I'll probably wait until actual off season to start to really dig into that. Cause I don't have much time yet until the end of all this, but yeah, great book. And we wanted to shout him out for sure. So anyway, for everyone else, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the defensive film breakdown. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.